Dust is settled. Everyone's flights have landed. And those that didn't have Wi-Fi were able to survive, at least those that cut the Indians. They're back home safely. And now I can think about more important things, like what does the top prospect list of the Dodgers look like beyond some of the rumors we've already heard. It's the Selbius Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. What's up, my friend? You survived No Wi-Fi, part two. Yeah, this one was not as dramatic, I guess. Um, Though I did want to share, you know, I'm flying back from San Diego on Thursday, and like they announced right before takeoff that there would be no Wi-Fi, and I'm like, here we go again. Like, let me put out to the world that I'm not going to have Wi-Fi for the next handful of hours just so that when they inevitably trade Francisco Lindor and I'm just silent and not doing any reporting, it's not my fault. And then I realized about, I don't know, most of the way into the flight uh, that United has that, they have that iMessage option. So you turn on their Wi-Fi and you have iMessage. I had nothing else, but I had iMessage. So I turned it on and you and some other people had texted me. You just said, build Antonetti a statue. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> they traded Lindor and they got a haul from the Dodgers. Like, and this is seriously happening, happening now. And I texted you back and I said, all right, I think, well, I, it was in the Chicago. So I, I had a, a layover in Chicago. So it was on the Chicago part of the flight. And, you know, that flight's like 45 minutes. Yeah. And I think I had 25 minutes left in the flight. And I'm like, do I need to pay the 1099 for Wi-Fi? For the, you know, even though I'm going to have to put away my laptop in 10 minutes. And you're like, no, calm down. It's some knucklehead who covers the Falcons on the radio who comes out with this rumor. Um, but I was pretty panicked there for a couple minutes. And I, I thought we were going to have a, a, a legitimate part two to the annual tradition of, of not having Wi-Fi in a cross-country flight after the winter meetings. Yeah, it's something about airplanes and the Indians getting stuff done. It was a few years ago trying to hammer out a contract with Santana. Last year, actually acquiring Santana back. This year, it could have been Lindor, but the six exclamation points were only matched, or the six question marks you sent me were only matched by the (laughs) six O's that you received back in your text with the quote-unquote rival executive. Yeah, and I I mean, it's not like I reached out to say, hey, like, what do you think about this offer? Because I would not, you know, take that seriously, but someone had texted me and had that (laughs) response. And I was like, I can't not share this because Twitter was going crazy. People were believing this guy for some reason. And um, so we put that to bed. However, well, I want to say the one thing that didn't dawn on me till now that would have, you know, I never needed to, to panic because I scheduled a really early morning flight back and with the stop in Chicago because I assumed that's the flight that the Indians front office executives would take. Turns out they took a later flight closer to lunchtime. So they were in the air um, when all that was going down and when you had texted me. And so I don't know why I panicked because I think their means would have been pretty limited. (laughs) Engaged in quote unquote serious talks as Antonetti pushed his chair back a little bit and got kicked six times by the infant behind him. And <laughs> Chernoff is trying to order seeing if the, if Sprite falls under the free part of the, the, the in-flight service or if he had, yeah, yeah, it was probably the first, the first trade ever completed while one GM had a Stroop waffle in their mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, 
I don't know if that's factual or not, so I'm going to have to back it up with a second source. Uh, and of course, the only thing those rumors really successfully did was raise the bar to an unobtainable level for the Indians in these Lindor trade <laughs> discussions. So now anything that's not a complete highway robbery by the tribe, which the rumors that were out there absolutely were. You and I have talked in this podcast that we don't know if the Dodgers straight up would do Lindor for Lux. And if that was presented to you or I, I think I would very strongly consider accepting that offer if I'm the Indians. And yet the offer was Lux plus six other, seven other, nine other guys that were really, really talented. So, And international slot money. Of course. Immediately didn't pass the smell test, but it did make for a fun uh, at least 20 minutes or so of taunting you. And whether or not I was actually being factual or not, because I I sent you the tweet and the tweet went along with the build Antonetti a statue now text, which if you received both, you would have understood my sarcasm. But (laughs) when you didn't get the tweet part of the text because you're in the air, you only got the text message. So then that's initially all you get. And then what I what I sent back was another picture I think I, I screenshotted the tweet and tried to send it to you that way, but that also didn't go through. And then I said something else, which could have been interpreted as they just made this fantastic trade. So I, I, I am glad that I at least caused you at least some mild panic while you were in the air. Thanks. Shaved a couple of years off my life. But um, the, the craziest part to me was that there were some fans, some Indians fans who were saying, eh, still probably not enough. I'm like, what are you expecting? I do think we need a little bit of a reality check when it comes to what fair trade offers would be. I think, like, I mean, I think the Dodgers are are struggling to come to terms with the idea of even including Gavin Lux by himself. Like, that's it. And yet you're having people saying like, "Eh, Lux plus May plus Verdugo. I would definitely need all three of them, and then I'd probably want like another piece. Or, and it's like that's not how this works. And teams yeah. treasure young, controllable, cheap talent more than ever. And guess what? The Dodgers have a really, really smart front office. So yes, they've. You think you're sick of the Indians winning ninety plus games every year and not doing anything about it? Dodgers fans are so sick of the Dodgers winning seven straight NL West titles and having nothing to show for it with a massive payroll and a robust farm system. But still, teams are disciplined, and the Dodgers have a really good front office, and they're not just going to throw everything at the wall to get Lindor for two years. And, and maybe they could re-sign him, but um, the, you know, teams just don't do that. I, I think it used to be a lot easier to pull off this sort of trade because there, are, there were more dumb front offices. I don't think... I think there's only a couple now, and those teams probably are, are pretty bad, so you're not going to be dealing with them in this situation. So. And it gets, it gets really dangerous when the smart teams are also the rich teams, yep. like the Yankees, who have been so very disciplined over the past several years. Fans screaming, go back to the days of old when you threw money at everybody, and that's not the way they had operated for the past several years until this offseason, when the perfect storm for them got laid at their feet. They needed an ace starter. Garrett Cole is a guy that just doesn't seem like he has any alarming issues tied to him, at least at the moment. I know that's knock on wood for any pitcher, but there's a reason why he got the money he did, and pretty much everybody agrees that he's probably worth it. And so it it became a layup for them to be able to get it done. But in the past, they haven't operated 
uh, like the Yankees we used to see in the you know before the the 2000s rolled around, uh, and they were winning world championships year after year after year. It's been a little bit of a different dynamic in that front office, and the the Dodgers are sort of a similar team. We talked about this when we initially started talking Lindor rumors at the beginning of the offseason. And I said, one of the things that I think will be interesting is how desperate do these teams get where uh, you've been operating this way like the Dodgers have, where you have this strong farm system. You already have a, a really deep, talented roster. You probably don't need to do a lot, but are, are the fans starting to get itchy? Are they, are they upset as just winning the division every single year and hoping that you, that you random randomness your way into winning a world title uh are they going to be happy with that or are they going to feel some pressure and that was always something in the back of my mind that that thought I, I thought maybe that was something that could help push or escalate a trade of Lindor to a situation like LA because if they're just evaluating this based on spreadsheets and surplus value years of control cheap control at that guys that allow them to spend more money on other parts of their roster through free agency if they would like to. The, the one thing that was going to change that was that sense of desperation and needing to change the, the way they've gone about things in the past several years. And, and we'll see uh, because they didn't come away with that, that major free agent piece or trade piece as of yet. So are mm -hmm. they going to feel that sense of desperation as this winter unfolds? I, I don't know. I, that was the one thing that was kind of a wild card in my mind for getting these these sorts of uh, this sort of trade done, right? And the Indians could prey on that because they could just say, "Well, we'll keep him. He's a perennial All Star. We'll keep him for two years. We don't have to trade him to you." But along those lines, I'm also thinking it's only a matter of time before another team gets in the mix or is leaked to be in the mix um, because that just drives it up even more. You know, if the Dodgers insist they don't want to include Gavin Lux, well, then the Indians can leak to someone and say, hey, we've talked to the Atlanta Braves or the Cincinnati Reds or another team about a Lindor trade. And, and then maybe the Dodgers get a little more desperate. But, I, you know, I also think having just – I'm just going to completely debunk everything I just said. I also think front offices don't fall for that stuff the way we all do, media, fans – the public, you know, I think they have a pretty good grasp of what's really going on. Um, and yes, they do pay attention to trade rumors and, and national reporters and whatnot. But, you know, that they, they use that to check on things to get what the legitimate scoop is and, and not necessarily what's out there. So it, it's going to be interesting. You're right. You know, how desperate do the Dodgers get? Do they really feel like Gavin Lux can be as good as Francisco Lindor? And more importantly, do they feel like he can be as good as Lindor right now? I don't know. But, I mean, you look up and down that roster, and there's like 15 to 20 guys I'd have interest in if I was if I were the Indians. I mean, there, there are so many directions they could go, but you probably need Lux in the deal to feel comfortable. Yeah. Because this, yeah. isn't just, this isn't just like find the best match and let's do it. This is overwhelm us enough that we feel comfortable going to ownership and convincing them – to sell their franchise, the face of the franchise, and you know probably sacrifice some season ticket sales and some fan sentiment 
knowing that, hey, you might be a better team and you'll certainly be a better team long term beyond 2021. But like this is going to sting, even if you get a really good return, even if you, quote unquote, win the trade and all the people who love to hand out letter grades 10 seconds after a trade happens for some reason, you know, you're even if you win those and you get an A plus, like it's still going to hurt at the ballpark at in the ticket office. So you, you're going to have to be overwhelmed. That's why I think Lux probably has to be in the deal no matter what, even if you take, I mean, like in, in a vacuum, like Dustin May plus Alex Verdugo plus Chris Taylor plus Jock Peterson plus like <laughs> Max Muncy is an amazing haul. But like, I still think, um, I still think it's got to be Lux. I still think you need that marquee slam dunk piece. And I think, especially Indians fans by now are probably saying it's got to be Lux or we're not going to be happy. Indians fans, Indians front office too. I, I, I would venture to say that that's probably the takeaway that they have. If they want to go draft day, they put a note in their pocket and it says Gavin Lux or nothing, uh, walk away. And so I, I have a, a certain faith in their ability in these negotiations to be able to walk away because we've seen in the past, they, they stick to their guns on this, this sort of thing. They very rarely will, will meet you too far in the middle. Um, they'll, they'll make trades they think are fair. And I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily trying to go out there and, and rob anybody, uh, but they have in their mind what they think is fair value in return for their guys. And if you're not willing to match it, unless it's a situation where they're losing the player at the end of the year, or the player doesn't really, factor into their plans they're prepared to just say no thanks and keeping francisco lindor is one hell of a nice secondary prize and i could argue is probably the first prize but as you've laid out before you've written we've discussed in this podcast the last week if you do hold on to him then you better you better make that worth it you need to make that move count for something because once once you pass this winter and you the season starts to me, it's like a car driving on a brand new car driving off the lot. The minute it does, the the value has declined a, a bunch. And Lindor, especially even with for your cars, year, yeah, no kidding. The luck I have, and Lindor is a. I mean, you're already starting with a, a value that is through the roof. So even if you're trading him for one year, you're, you would get back something useful, but you're not going to get back somebody's top prospect like Gavin Lux. That's not happening. If if you trade him. I think if you go through the end of this offseason and you, you hold on to him, you can wave goodbye to anyone, getting anyone close to that level. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've said it. I mean, when you record three podcasts in a week, I guess you can tend to repeat yourselves. But I mean, it's I think you trade him now or you don't trade him at all. Um, and what makes this tricky is that you probably have – I mean, you definitely have multiple contingency plans, but you have to act on it. The, this offseason is certainly moving more quickly than than the last few have. And like, if you're and if you end up keeping Lindor, well, okay, then you got to go find your second baseman. You got to see if you can add to the outfield. You got to see if there's a, a starting pitcher you want to move to get some offensive help. Do you need to to supplement the bullpen? If you trade Lindor, maybe some pieces you get back influence how you do part two. If you don't trade Lindor, you obviously have a plan for part two. But like, at what point do you just move on and you decide, okay, talks are done, we're keeping them, and we're going to go set our sights on on all these other things we have to do. And maybe once you start doing all those things, it complicates the Lindor talks 
if the Dodgers end up getting desperate in mid-January and are like, eh, yeah. we got to do this. We've missed out on too many guys. Yeah, I mean, the, you've said it before. This impacts every single thing they do for the rest of this winter, and knocking it out now would be adv- advantageous because then you can start to set up what your team looks like without him. But if you hold on to him now and you start to make moves that is in, in anticipation of what a roster looks like with Francisco Lindor, and then the trade comes, you probably still make it, but it's going to be a lot more difficult trying to make that audible on the fly. And then it, it becomes even more uh, interesting as these trade talks unfold, as you're sitting there and as a front office, you think you're maybe you're you're starting to make some progress. And then the the other side of the table says, yeah, we're, we're sort of into it. But you know what? We might need a guy like Mike Clevenger coming back. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how a name gets tossed out there I, I don't know the veracity of the report that was was out there I mean if you look at the facts uh if you traded Lindor and Clevenger separately you'd get so much more than if you traded them together you could find a team desperate for starting pitching trade them Clevenger and get a top prospect and then some um, you trade Lindor and Clevenger together and it's like yeah you're gonna get a huge haul but it, you could get a huge haul for both of them separately I, I think the the more realistic thing, first of all, as I've said, they're going to go to Clevenger and Bieber at some point in the next month or two and say, let's talk long-term extension. I think there's a better chance Bieber signs, agrees to something than Clevenger does. But as we said, like Clevenger was a late bloomer. He's about to be 29 years old. He's going to hit free agency at about third, right before his 32nd birthday. I don't know if a team's going to give you that. They're not going to give you the, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg type deal at that age. So it's, and you got to prove yourself in the next three years. So it's a little riskier. So maybe he signs, maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, then I think he does become a logical trade candidate a year from now. Not the type of thing where like Trevor Bauer, where they really wanted to get rid of him. Um, But you explore just like they have with tons of other guys. But I don't think it makes much sense to trade him now. I don't think it makes any sense to include him in a Lindor deal to sweeten the pot. I think you could dangle Kluber in that package, certainly, maybe a younger pitcher. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you keep them separate. And then Clevenger and Bieber are the reason why you feel like whether you trade Lindor or not, you're still going to contend and, and be a threat to, to win the division and make some noise in the playoffs. I was just trying to look. I was trying to remember when Max Scherzer signed his deal because in my mind I was thinking with with the Tigers, he didn't truly become – really special until late into into his Tigers career. He was kind of uh, league average, maybe a little bit better pitcher up until... But very durable. Very durable, true. Um, and that was part of his allure, especially when he really took off in 2013. That was his first 200-inning season. He put t- uh, together another one with the Tigers in 2014. So he had put together back-to-back seasons where he looked like a front-of-the-rotation guy at 200 innings. But he had done that at the age of 29. So he enters free agency entering his age 30 season. That's a lot different than another two years beyond that. So I'm, I'm saying for Clevenger, maybe he, maybe he builds himself up to, to that sort of level. Consistent. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you would be risking it more as a team at the age of 32. And there are already people that were a little bit uh, nervous, I guess, is the best way I could put it, about the deal that Scherzer signed with the Nationals. And, and again, he did that entering his age 30 season. So that's a little bit of a different situation. But that was a little bit surprising. That, to me, sounded like 
the Indians rolling through all these names and the Dodgers said, oh, well, you know, if, if you're going to roll through all these guys that you like, we also would like to make a stab at, at Clevenger. And then the Indians being the Indians, a team that is just, they're not going to hang up or in this case, walk out the door. Just based on you bringing up a name, they'll say, okay, let's talk Clevenger. This is what our realistic thought is on him. And they would discuss him. And even by the Indians entertaining it, just to say, we would expect you to give up this completely unobtainable amount of, of talent in return for Clevenger, you've now quote unquote discussed it. So I don't, I'm not, I mean, we're not, we're not sitting in there. I don't know how, as you said, I don't know how, how aggressive these talks actually were, but to me, discussing it means that the Indians entertain almost anything. And if the fact is that they spent four or five minutes talking about it, they've already discussed it. And then at that point, Leaking that sort of report is factual. You did discuss adding Mike Clevenger to it, but it was completely and totally off the table in terms of reality. That that's yeah. just the way that I interpreted it. Well, and they always Chris Antonetti loves to tease us and torment us and say we would never believe half the shit that they actually discuss, <laughs> and that doesn't mean they want to do it. It's just, it, I mean, I, I, I we always bring in HBD, but it, it's it is legitimate. Like it's it it in some ways reflects real life where it's like, if someone tells me they have interest in my star player, I have no interest in moving that player, but I'm going to say, okay, what do you want to give me? What do you got? Just to see, cause you never know. And it could help you down the line when you want to reconnect to actually make that trade when you're more willing to, to move that player. So, and isn't it useful just to know what other teams think of, of your of guys? Course. It helps. It, it's I mean, all. And that's what the winter meetings are. It, it's just sure. about, it's about intel. It's just about gathering as much as you possibly can. You're under one roof. You can't leave your suite or else you get swarmed by crazy people in the lobby. And so you just sit up there and you talk about different scenarios with your fellow front office members and you you talk to other teams and see what they're doing. You talk to agents to see what other teams are doing. So it, that, that's what this is. And, and I also think, I mean, it's crazy. I, I land, I know fans, this is, this is a different situation. Like last year, I think fans grew tired of the Kluber Bauer stuff because it just seemed like it was a different report every day and it, and nothing ever happened. This is different. This is the face of your franchise. This is a franchise shifting decision one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You're setting yourself up for the next decade one way or the other. So I get it. But also like I landed yesterday, there were a couple like vague reports and a specific report from someone who's probably never even been to an Indians game and like everyone's panicking and saying, I bet something's going to happen in the next five, 10 minutes. They're like, we're getting close where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's like, don't be surprised if this lingers. I mean, this is, yeah. this is not the sort of thing that just gets hashed out in one meeting or one phone call over an hour. Like this is, this is a lot of back and forth between two smart front offices. And again, like, even if the if the Dodgers are like, we'll give you Lux and we'll give you May and you give us Kluber and Lindor, and the Indians are like, we really like this deal. Like this is this is definitely what we need to do. They still should go and talk to other teams and be like, can you top this? <laughs> like this is going to take a while, and I think there are a lot of I keep saying hurdles or obstacles, but there's just a lot of things that you have to check off before you make a trade like this. And I won't believe it until Incarcerated Bob has it. <laughs> what did he did he tweet something this week and you were trying to tell me that it was legit? Um this week? No, I don't remember this week. I, I see I 
I am such a fan of the the more rumors the better because I can process it. <laughs> I can I can sift through them and and take away from what is reality and and what may be fiction and what is just being put out there and what actually has legs. So if if anyone wants to go through uh, the ESPN trade machine and fire up some fake trade that they came up with, I love it. I want to digest it. I just love trade discussion. I love thinking about what players are worth and rumors are fun. So incarcerated Bob, whether he's on, he, he's nailing a, a, a rumor or completely off base. I love it. Nonetheless. So nobody can, tell can we that. also say, I mean, I, I've seen the trade. I think machine. He had the, he had the swisher news back in 2013, man. Mary he's got, Swishman. He's got, he's got the receipts. Well, love I wish that. when he love found it, that guys. out, when he found it out ahead of time, he should have tried to put a stop to it. Uh, I do want to say something about the trade machine, though. I mean, it's it is interesting. So Paul Hoynes was was asking Chris Antonetti about kind of the mechanics of trades and and how they decide what a player's value is. And God bless Hoynesy, because that's not something you can answer simply in a 30 second reply or. But, you know, the teams, they basically assign a dollar value to every player in every system. And it's not. You know, you're not trying to match up. You're you're just trying to get an idea for what a player's worth might be over the long haul. And the the thing is, as Linus has woken up from a slumber, the thing is, like when you're you're trying to find a match for an Indians Dodgers trade, it's not going to be even. The team that's taking on the younger, less proven players is the team that needs to have that higher number because there's more risk involved, you know? So you're not trying to trade Lindor if he's valued at 80 million and you're not trying to trade him for $80 million of, of surplus or of, of value of prospects. You got to get more back. And so that's, that's, I think that's one error I keep seeing on people who love the trade machine. And you can hear Linus who really is, is sick of reading about fake trades too. <laughs> and there are people inside organizations, no names, please, that all they do is sit there and try to dream up trades for people that are higher up. Try to find that fair value and target people. And that's all they do all day long. Anyway. I wish I had that job. That's what I do in HPD all freaking day. Um, I do want to pat myself on the back for one thing, though. I did mention that I thought the Angels would make a lot of sense for Corey Kluber. And then, like, three hours later, there was actual smoke on that. So, good job, TJ, putting that together. Anybody with a third grade education could have matched those two, but I did it on the podcast and then it became reality. Yeah, they make sense for the Angels. I don't know if that pairing makes as much sense for the Indians. I think the Angels would probably have to to overpay just based on their system. It's such a weird, it's a weird thing anyway, because as we've talked about so many times, like, Obviously, Kluber does not have peak trade value right now. You know, you're better off waiting six months or taking a time machine to go back a year or a year and a half. Um, so you're asking a team to take on the contract. And I know we've said, like, the contract is fine as long as he turns out to be even an adequate pitcher. But no one knows what he's going to be. And so it's it's like you somehow still have to convince a team to give you a really useful piece Otherwise, it makes more sense to just hold them. And, and the Angels are a weird team because they're so top-heavy. And their mm. farm system is a lot better than it was a few years ago when it looks like Mike Trout was just going to 
waste away like Tom Hanks and Castaway um, with Albert Pujols as Wilson. But I, it's, I just made a movie reference. Like, we need to document this podcast. But I think... Um, My name is Voight, dumbass. I think that's... That's a good reference. It's just it's it's going to be interesting to see what they eventually do with him because I think it's it's difficult to find if you're going to trade him now, then you, some team is has to get desperate. And I almost think the opposite of the Clevenger thing, I think it would be more sense if the Dodgers liked Kluber and believed in him. Yeah. Just pair him with Lindor and see if that'll make a difference. Yeah, when all those names started dropping, it was like, like just spitting out, hey, this guy and this guy and this guy. I'm thinking for Lindor, yeah, but they're also probably going to give him Kluber and something else. You're missing half the trade on the Indian side, I would imagine. If you're just spitting out Lux and May, this catching prospect and this infielder and that outfielder and this pit. <laughs> what? This is... From an Indian's perspective, where you and I are thinking about this, how can the Indians win every trade? Even you and I are going, all right, hold on. <laughs> this, is, this is completely unfair. We need to step in here. This is not fair to the Dodgers if they pull off a move like this. So, as I said, if nothing else, it's raised the bar to a level that when, if and when they actually do trade Lindor, it will look nothing like this trade, and so everyone is going to be pissed off. They're going to be pissed off regardless, but now they're really going to be ticked. Yeah, the only time I, I'm trying to think of, I feel like we usually say immediately when the Indians make a trade that they got the better end of it, don't we? Like, I mean, I think the night that Trevor Bauer got traded, it was like we we found out one name after another, and it was because at first it was like I think we knew Puig. I'm trying to remember the order because I was going all around the room trying to get intel from players as they heard from people or, or get, you know, you get a text from a front office person at one point or a, an agent. And, and it's like, you, you slowly piece this together and each piece, it was like, Oh my God, this is like better and better. It's, it's unbelievable. I feel like most of the Indians trades, your immediate takeaway is they got the better end. Like I remember like the Eric Gonzalez trade and who knows how that'll end up. It was, was that like a three for, three or three for two yeah um and obviously max moroff was a bust but like jordan luplo looks like he's going to absolutely destroy left-handed pitching and, and maybe more and they have him for a long time and eric gonzalez every time he played on the field last year he injured one of his teammates so that looks like it's it's immediately that seemed like a decent trade because luplo had a pretty good minor league pedigree the only one that didn't was was the Jan gomes trade and we all look foolish now uh, after the year Roberto Perez had and, and seeing what Daniel Johnson could do. So I feel like they always seem to win trades immediately. And I mean, like, obviously long-term they do. Francisco Mejia hasn't done anything, and, and the Padres have, like, been in the market for catching help. So it, it's just it's going to be interesting to see what that sentiment is like if they end up trading Lindor, who is everybody's favorite player, and clearly the best player on, on the roster. Like, will, you, was, will fans allow themselves to say, man, it sucks losing Lindor, but holy shit, what a haul they got? Yeah, can't both things be true? Yeah. And that was a, it was a little bit true in the, the Bauer aspect. It's like, oh, man, well, you, you lost the front of the rotation arm that you would have had next year, but look at everything you got. I don't, so... Have the Indians won every single trade? I don't know. No. Did they win I mean, the they... trade? 
Did they win the trade when they sent his Drupal Cabrera to the Nationals for Zach Walters? <laughs> no, but I also, I mean, guys who are two months from free agency and don't have much trade value, I don't put that on them. Um, I will say the, the one other one that made you scratch your head at least was last year with trading Yadi Diaz because I don't think people yeah. liked that. But that wasn't like, especially at the time, because people didn't really know about Jake Bowers. And he, he was a top 100 prospect. Like that, that wasn't what I don't, I cannot think of an example where they made a trade and it was like, oh my God, did they get hosed? What are they doing? Like you usually have a pretty good feeling about the deal at the moment. And it's, it's going to be interesting because like the Dodgers have or their, their roster and their farm system are loaded. There's so much opportunity, but I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, if they don't include Lux, is there a way for fans to be? No. No, probably. Okay with it. In in reality, no. If we're living in, in within the realm of things that can actually happen, probably not. Um, and the in the Andy Diaz thing, I put more on ownership anyways because I don't think the front office really wanted to trade Yandy Diaz. It was something that needed to happen money wise to enable the Encarnacion Santana thing to happen. So yep. I put that on ownership more than I put it on the front office. Dolan's cheap, right? Mm. And Santana, Santana did come back and have a hell of a year, best year he's ever had. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see what Yandy Diaz continues to become, and we'll see if Jake Bowers ever puts it together. Certainly, this time last year, Bowers looked like a very interesting piece, but now he's a guy that we don't even talk about on this podcast. And Yandy Diaz could be your third baseman with Jose at second. He still mm-hmm. needs to work. He still needs to work on that defense. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, many, many more places. And if you'd like to help out the podcast and keep us going every single month, you can help out over at Anchor and help support the podcast. Any parting words for our our listeners this week? They got a lot of words from us. This is our third podcast of the week. So no complaints now until we go when we go into hibernation. (laughs) I have a few things. Uh, Number one. Thank you to everybody who has enjoyed the podcast, given feedback, five-star reviews, earn you a beer if you ever see us. Keep that in mind. Um, What is the – you have changed our opening music to some crazy heavy metal that I was not anticipating. What? what? And then – (laughs) but our podcast is – like a roller coaster because you start with that <laughs> yes. and like your heart rate goes nuts and then we come in and we're like the indians are not making a trade you know maybe they that's, will I don't that's know. you that's not me <laughs> i have energy you don't i've got to make up for both of us and then as pointed out to me by go into a coma when our podcast is over by the way because <laughs> i had i had to bring enough energy for two people so i physically feel drained at the end of this freaking thing well, also, let's – so a lot of times we record these pretty late at night, and I'm like – I'm just beat. I'm tired. I'm subdued. And so as pointed out to me by a friend of the podcast, you'll you'll hear my monotone, laid-back voice, and then you'll hear the chipper, perky, the Selby is Godcast is brought to you by – and it's just like such a difference. And that's why – like this ro- this this podcast is a roller coaster. I never want people to feel completely comfortable. And if we can keep that as the general theme of this damn thing, then I feel like we've done our jobs. 
All right, you done? You said enough words? Yeah, I'm going to go have a Christmas sale. Thanks. And I can't wait to hear you wrap up this podcast by telling us everywhere we can listen and how to leave us five-star reviews because you sure as hell sound a lot happier than you did for the last half hour. We're out of here. See ya. The Selbius Godcast featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Godcast. Thanks for listening.